Hello, welcome to the Reality versus Expectations podcast. For our first episode, we will be talking about Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. The book has come with some controversies after the movie came out in November. So, I discuss with a fellow reader, Pilar Carones, who read the book during a guided book club. Please enjoy as we talk about the controversies and the miscomings relating back to the movie and the book. My name is Pilar Carones. Uh, I live in Louisville, Kentucky. We read the book uh, for a book club that I attend. And I was taken by the book. I, uh, to me, it was unreal that that boy grew up like that. And um, I grew up poor, but my, my parents were present and, you know, they helped me. Um, so I, it really, the book bothered me in that sense that he struggled so much, but I'm happy that he came out on the other side. Okay, yeah, so the Rotten Tomato score was 25%. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) Which I find pretty insane. Because I like the movie. I like the movie. Did you? Yeah, and then, okay, the audience, we want to know what the audience rating is. It's it's 85%, so that's a drastic difference. Yes. But you know, Lewis always little Lewis says that the Ron Tomato thing is is different. They don't always look at it, right? Well, okay. So the reason I want, okay, again going back to the reason I wanted to read Hillbilly Elegy right. is because yeah. I watched the initial reviews of it, and the people didn't really understand why it was getting the reviews, like the critic reviews it was getting. And people were saying that that this book had turned into something like political when it didn't need to be. So that's why. How did it turn political? I read a podcast. I listened. I read a podcast. I listened to a podcast about this. Uh huh. And that's how I was like, oh, this is so interesting. If anything, the political thing that I would take if anything, would be the guns. Because they owned guns. They ate, you know, from the wilderness. <laughs> they ate squirrels and everything else. You know? Mm-hmm. So it would be like an NRA thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see how it could be political any other way. But I don't know. You know? But if you tell me, maybe we So could. the New Yorker has an article that says... The silent political messaging in Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy adaptation. Okay. And yeah, he said uh, Hillbilly Elegy provides yet more evidence that when it comes to genres that can find rather than unleash cinematic cre- creativity, superhero movies and other franchises have nothing on adaptations of memoirs by living public figures, the director's imagination is restricted by the blueprint set forth by the author slash protagonist who is also available to complain even publicly about departures from the printed record. The result often is movies that are devoid of moral complexity, psychology, death, and social purview. 
in Hillbilly Elegy, which is directed by Ron Howard and based on the best-selling memoir by J.D. Vance, the gap between artistic imagination and informal dosing is even more apparent in other examples of the genre. And procurely, the thinness of the adaptation arises only from where the movie doesn't go beyond the book, but also from what of its source material, material it chooses to leave out. So Right. There's a lot of stuff left out. But he lived a long time with his mother. Didn't he live as long? Didn't his mother left, and then he stayed with the grandmother? There's a. I would say in the book, there's a lot more drama between the mother. Like yeah. he stays with the mom. The mom has a lot more boyfriends in the book. Yeah. So I think they downplayed that aspect in the movie. But I think it was for just for emotional impact. But I think his, I think his his grandmother was a, a cushion, you know, to to make things, you know, more bearable. But I think in the book, he explains all the grief. Like it was, I felt more pain in the book. I felt more pain, I felt more anguish on his part, how this guy was gonna go on to Harvard or Yale, wherever he went. And you know, he even broke up with the girlfriend at one point, right? Because he didn't want the girlfriend to see, meet his parent, his mother. Is that right? Yeah, well, his, he was realized his, um, that side of his family was holding him back. So he had right. to let go. Right. So okay, he so was also think he was also embarrassed to sh uh, to show his fiance uh, Usha, I think Usha, yeah, that side of his family because he was just right. embarrassed. So so okay, what else is it saying, The New Yorker? Okay, they said the movie's vision of America is one of nothing except self-interest and self-improvement. It's one in which. The only reach beyond the self is the one that embraces family in which pleasure is a distraction and danger and culture is a fraud and allure. With his soupy impersonal manipulations of memory and experience, void of the burrs that attach them to the world at large, Howard, whether intentional or not, has made a libertarian's fantasy. So therefore, it... That that that's where the controversy came in was because. So who's the author? What's the name of the author that wrote the article? His name is Richard Brody. Okay, he went to Princeton. So, so maybe I'm you know maybe I'm not. Um... That's okay. That's the whole reason I read it though. So then when I read the like actual book. And I was like, yeah. where is this coming from? Like, I think people said that it's because it was released during an election year. And like, it was, that was the reason why it was. The movie? It. Yeah. Because it was released, oh, yeah, it, it was released in Netflix in November, November. So is this more for the, so is this more for the. Democratic side or for the Republican? I don't understand. Uh, 
who benefits from this? The libertarian? Or no? Yeah, because what do you use? the message that's le- the message that's left in the movie is that you can um, build yourself up without need. Like he built himself up and got out of the situation through his own means. So, and little like yeah, but did, didn't he get money? Wasn't he? Uh... Wasn't he wasn't he given um scholarship? He didn't have money to pay for that school. He had a yeah, he was on a scholarship and he had he worked. Yeah, he worked and then he he had to come. His grandmother was dying and he had to come. I mean, he was the only um you know, he was the only what's the word? He was the he was the only civil person in that family. The only one that could do anything to get the grandmother where she had to go, get her into nursing. The mother was either drunk, drugged, or with somebody else. Right? Yes. One thing I do remember very clearly, and I don't know if you remember, is um, he wanted a certain toy for his Christmas gift. Do you remember that? I think he wanted a Star Wars or something. He wanted something. And the grandma, the mother said he, she was going to get it for him. Oh, do you mean the part where he wants a baseball card? I thought he wanted his toy. And the grandmother said, I'm not going to get it for you because your mother's bringing it. And the mother didn't bring it. And that's all he wanted. Do you remember that? I just, Listen, I, I just um, remember, I just remember the baseball card scene when the mom promised him a baseball card. And that's yeah. when that whole situation happened with the mother being abusive. So. Oh, no, I, this is like, she comes to visit, he's taking care of her. It's in the, it's in the book and it's Christmas and he only wants one thing and so she didn't get, the grandmother didn't get it because she was, he was supposed to get it. She was supposed to get it. And um, she didn't bring it. Well, that's what I remember, that uh, the detachment. Howard puts a competition for an internship stranger at the center of the act on the original interview for prestige and well-paying gig. The protagonist is summoned home by his sister. I had best care and time for his departure at an hour early in a drama. Fit together like a roving. It had been her high school shelter and made every the movie intersperses J.D.'s hurried effort to get Bevan to rehab his flashbacks to his trouble during his teen years around, confused with Bevan, he and whom she married impossible. This, okay, this view of appellation, alienation, inaction is made clear by the movie's depiction of J.D. and his family as having no cultural attachment whatsoever. The TV is often on in the house. Young JD likes to watch the political news, but never has a word to say about it. And Bev is briefly seen sharing an enthusiasm for football. Even Mama, though gloriously profane and contagious, is devoid of any ideas. Miserable and confused by the new life that can Bev has forced into JD neglects studies, acts out, risks. The crucial scene in the film is one 
that takes place in a car when JD and Mamaw have a fierce argument. In the course of it, she sharply lectures young JD about the mighty exertion of study and discipline that it will take for him to be somebody and about her reason for putting the hard work into raising him. Who's gonna take care of this family when I'm gone? It's exemplary of the film that this is Mamaw's great er Araya, I don't know. She has nothing to say about anything else. Neither it for that matter. After high school, he joins the Marines and serves in Iraq. He doesn't mention yet this cultural blankness, this reductiveness into such an error of omission on how it's part. So is the is is Vance? Uh, it says that he is. Uh, I, uh, so he's he's a, he's a Republican, right? Uh, yes. The, the guy that wrote the book. Yes. Okay. Book which are politically and ideologically quite explicit, and which have been criticized for the simplistic lessons that they extract from his experience. In his book, Vance Hector's poor Americans like his family members about lack of thrift and lack of discipline. We spend our way into the poorhouse. Our homes are a chaotic mess. We don't study as children, and we don't make our kids study well. Okay, I can understand that. And detailing a litany of destructive behavior in his community concludes, public policy can help, but there is no government that can fix these problems for us. We created them and only we can fix them. Howard's movie doesn't include a single line of such ideological advocacy. It doesn't suggest that the character of JD has any political thoughts at all, yet through its very suppression of political ideas or concerns, it evinces the same politically regressive ideas as the core of Vance's memoir. So he's saying that maybe Howard doesn't talk about the politics because he's a, a Hollywood guy and Howard is a liberal and this guy is not a liberal. And he, he doesn't want, so he, so pretty much he's doing exactly, Howard does exactly with the movie what J.D. Vance says that the Americans where he lives are doing. They're not, they're only paying attention to having fun. They're, you know, one is an addict. I don't know if that makes any, I mean, I don't know, you have to save, but no one's really saying, it's up to us to take ourselves out of this mess. Yes. You get that from that? Yes. But I think, okay, so I think the moral of this book is, like, I highlight, I highlighted it. Okay. Um, it says, those who, those who don't are running life's race with a major handicap. This is a serious problem for kids like me. Here's a non-exclusive list. I don't know when I got to you. So it's like, he's talking about how even though he had handicaps in life, he still was able to break free of those handicaps without any assist, like assistance from the outside. Yes, public assistance. Yes, so and that would be a political. Of the, the Republicans would say less government in your life. You take care of yourself. That's what a Republican would say, right? Because yes. he's a Republican. So I think that's what took. Like misconstrued, like I think that's what people took that as, like, oh, because you know, I don't know. That I feel like that's the essence of what America is, you know, like 
you have the freedom to do what you want to do. And it's up to you whether you take those chances or not. And just because someone starts in a higher position as you do, doesn't mean they're going to be as successful as you. So I think that's the big takeaway from this book because through all the struggles he went through in his life, he was able to get out of it. And I don't know, like reading it, it was really, I don't know, it was really refreshing. Okay, so this guy, what this guy is saying is that he took this movie, Howard took this movie and took it from what, from what this author tried to explain that it's up to us, that it's, 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 it's up to you to get out of your mask, not to have assistance from the government and not to always be given a, a hand by the government, right? Which in turn makes you um, dependent on the government, right? What he's saying is that he took all that and he made it into a libertarian's fantasy. So, if I get this right, it wouldn't have been so hard if the Democrats would have been able to help him. It wouldn't have been so hard for him if he would have gotten help. But since he didn't get help, he had to go out and do all this this is why this this is why this kid got to how he got and all these people all you know the homeless I mean the lady that's out in the street and can't get into anything and her son keeps pulling out credit cards trying to pay his way to get her a room in somewhere right mm-hmm. um he's you know this is a very deep subject because what he what this man is saying is that he turned this around and he pretty much, like he says his soupy, when he says his soupy, um, the things he remembers, the soupy, like all mixed up, what he took it to be. He read the book and then he took it, what he wanted it to be, but it's not really what the book was. Which I disagree with because I, after reading the book, I thought it was relatable to the movie. No, it was very relatable to the movie. The book like, was also a lot more. I, I, I thought. I, I mean, a book is sad. always going to be more detailed, but yeah. I think I was more intrigued with the way Ron Howard put together that story because when you read the book, it's told in a different order. Right. But see, you have a good perspective because you, what you're saying, you see it, you don't see it like this New Yorker guy wrote it. What you see is that you read the book, you saw the movie, and because of your background, the way you were raised and the way you were taught, you didn't see it, you, you know... You knew exactly what happened. That the kid had to do his own, find his own way, and help. And and he almost, uh, you know, he failed out of school and all that. He wouldn't get up and go to class, whatever. Well, like, okay, so, mm-hmm. I, so near the end of the book, yeah, on the last couple pages, this is how I now was like, okay, like this lines up with like the messaging he wanted in the movie because he has the same messaging 
in the book. So it's like, okay. Okay, and on page 256, it says, we need to create a space for the JDs and the Bryans of the world to have a chance. I don't know what the answer is precisely, but I know it starts when we stop blaming Obama or Bush for faceless companies or faceless companies and ask ourselves, what can we do to make things better? So it's about yourself or in self-improvement, which I think exactly what- It's what Reagan, who was it that said? No, that was somebody else. That was Kennedy. Don't ask, who said, uh, don't ask me what I, we can do for you. Tell me what you can do for us, for them, for the country. <laughs> so who said that? Somebody said that. Uh, don't ask me what the country can do for you. Ask me what you can do. <laughs> I think that's JFK. Okay. Okay, go ahead. That's the wrong um, party line. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I like, Yes, this, I just think the book was very impactful. And that's why I like when I was finished reading it, I was like, wow, this is a very, I mean, it's inspiring to know that like, yes, that because there is a part in this book where he finds where his political awakening is. So I think that's really refreshing to watch his like what his mindset for his future was. And as much as you want to take politics out of stuff in this book, it's a big part of who he, how he became the person he is today. So, I mean, in the end, did Hollywood want to paint a picture of just a normal family and a guy struggling, getting out of it? Probably. But again, the book always has more details, but I don't think it deserved at 25%. No. I very no. enjoyed it a lot. Like I've everyone I've showed it I to. I loved it. Everyone every person I've showed the movie to, they end up liking the movie. So I go, there's a reason why that's an 85% viewer score, you know? So that's just how I feel. I didn't want to see the movie because the book made me sad because what that kid went through. I mean, they were killing uh, rodents in the back to eat squirrels and they used, would shoot things and all this. And I was so sad for him, you know, that he didn't have the mother he needed and all this. And I said, okay, I'm gonna go see the movie. When I saw the movie, I said, this is a breath of fresh air. What I wish they would have showed a little bit more is um, his time in the Marine Corps because- Yeah, because we don't know anything. Well, right? like in the book, that's a big part. Yes. Because it matured him as a human being. He gave him a different yes. perspective and matured him as a human. He became great, like grateful for the things he did have. So that's one thing I wish they would put like a little bit, just, a, I don't know, just a little bit. Right. I think it would have gave it a lot more context to why he, you know, has the thoughts that he has. Right. So you said you didn't want to see the I, movie. It was so. Did you have any expectations of before you even saw the movie? You had did you do, did you have expectations of what the movie was going to be like? Yes, I thought the movie. I know that Ron Howard is amazing, so I I knew that it was going to be good. But I I since I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and I hear a lot about the Appalachians, and I we've you know done a lot of 
Yes, he in, he lived near, he lived near Kentucky. Yeah, that's why I was like, yeah. yeah. So right, so I, you know, I I was thinking that this was going to be so much like the book, and the book really, some ways, it made me sad because the poor guy, you know, he had to pick himself up and all this, but his grandmother also, you know, gave him the strong foundation, and she was there for him, and you know, good or bad. Whatever she did, it worked. So I thought that the movie was going to be um, a lot sadder. You know, a bigger struggle. Yeah, it was a big struggle. Yes, he had to drive all the way from school, from the university to come back, you know, to get his mother into a place, you know, all this. But to me, it looked, the struggle, well, well, it was so worth it because, you know, I think that's what, he had that in him anyway, always in his life, you know? Um, so when I saw the movie, when I left the movie, I thought to myself, this doesn't have all the detail of the book. This is lighter, but this also explains how this is, you know, this is, this is deep. This guy went through hell and back, you know, to, to get to where he was. He didn't even know he got, you know, a lot of people in life, they don't have a plan, right? You, you know, you hear this one say, oh, I don't know. I was going to be this. And then um, I got a job doing that. And, you know, I wound up over here. So if it weren't for the Marine and that he was accepted because of his brilliance, that he's passed all those exams and everything, Maybe he wouldn't have gone to where he is. You know what I'm saying? So I I like the the movie, but Louis always tells me that not not to listen to Ron Tomatoes because the audience usually that isn't thinks differently than the Ron Tomatoes people. You know. But I did enjoy the movie, and I and then you think to yourself, what is what do I have to struggle about? You know, we had such good parents, right? I mean, we raising you guys, you guys all have very good parents. I mean, none of you have gone through that. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I liked the movie. Um, the book was very, very deep. And I, you know, I came from a real, you know, I grew up in, with nothing. So in a little building in an apartment in a city I never you know we never had a house or anything so but I never saw that kind of poverty like where things were dirty where people didn't take care of their kids you know mm -hmm. so it was like eye-opening the book was more eye-opening for me does that make sense yes I just think my takeaway is that this book shows the book and the movie shows the qualities of like what could happen, like the opportunities you get versus like, if you don't take those opportunities to go follow your dreams and to do what you want. And that like nothing truly sets you back, but you. That's, that's 100% true. I agree with you 100%. Which, yeah, has become quite the, I don't know why, that has like over the last couple months, I don't know, 
over the last, the view of like, America is not good or like great or like America's bad. And I go, okay, like look at all the other countries in this world who don't have, like even people in poverty in America have better chances of being better than any other country out there. So I think that is something to be grateful for. Um, you might not think that to be grateful for that in that moment, but I don't know. I've studied a lot of, I've had the opportunity to study a lot of different cultures and see a lot of different places. And I think that's really shaped my perspective. And yeah, that's why I love this book. So yeah. We, this is the greatest country in the world. I don't care what anybody says. It's built, you know, on a democracy and you can be whatever you want to be here. I came from a communist country, Cuba, and I'm telling you, we, our parents were so happy to be able to come to this country. And I am very blessed every day to say that we are Americans. You know, I'm a Cuban American. I, I wouldn't go anywhere else. And um, I, th the book shows you how it is in you. It is. It wasn't that guy. The ability to make it or not make it. Mm -hmm. His mother wasn't helping him write applications to schools or getting money or talking to people and see, nothing. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. So you know, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed the book. Well, yeah, because like, okay, I'll end it with okay, I'll end it with this yeah. quote because this was exactly what I was talking about, and it's on page one seventy three. It said because this is when he was in the Marine Corps and he went to a different country and then he saw the perspective of everything he'd been through in his life. He said that resent. That resentment didn't vanish in an instant, but as I stood and surveyed the mass of children of war of a war-torn nation, their school without running water, and the overjoyed boy, I ran, I began to appreciate how lucky I was. Born in the greatest country on earth, every modern convenience at my fingertips, supported by two loving hillbillies and part of a family that all of its for all of its quirks, loved me unconditionally. At that moment, I resolved to be the type of man who would smile when someone gave him an eraser. I haven't quite made it there, but without that day in Iraq, I wouldn't be trying. So that to me is the greatest perspective to take from this book. Thank you for listening. This is Mia Nishanian for Zoo News.